Hello, I'm Jadis, Queen of Narnia, and this is Kill My Darlings, an interactive fantasy writing podcast. Would you care for some Turkish delight? Hello, I'm Hayden Rogers, and in this episode, we are setting the scene for this novel I'm writing. Wow, that's scary to say out loud. Now, you may be thinking, isn't this whole podcast about setting the scene in a way? And you'd be right. However, in this episode, I want to talk more specifically about the place in which the novel is probably going to start and the aesthetics I'm thinking about so that you can hopefully start to better visualize and understand the world. Of course, my forever disclaimer, everything in this podcast and the whole podcast is subject to change because that is kind of the whole point. Before we jump into this, I have to admit to a piece of my own darling killing this week that some of you may have noticed. In the last episode, I said that I was moving the blog to Tumblr. I haven't. The blog is where it always was, at Hayden Rogers, that's R-O-D-G-E-R-S, dot net, slash, killmydarlings. In a complete rookie move, I recorded the episode where I said I was moving to Tumblr before I'd made the Tumblr. I tried moving it to Tumblr, and the platform was immediately giving me so much grief that I decided to retreat. Life is too short to deal with that. However, I discovered that, of course, there are cute writing communities over there and decided to keep Tumblr active, but serve as a place to hang out uh, and chat rather than host the blog. So there's a link on the Tumblr that will send you to the real blog if you happen to be there. And also the link in the last episode's description was updated, so hopefully no one gets lost. But the blog is just where it always was, and that is where it is going to stay for the foreseeable future. I also have to admit that unfortunately, even though I said again I could migrate the comments over from the original blog, and it appeared that yes, I would be able to do that, I have not been able to do that. Um, But now those commenters have had their comments sort of preserved on the blog posts themselves. So in a way, it's kind of nice because those first comments have been enshrined now. Speaking of the blog, despite my best efforts to make it difficult, there were some great comments this week, both there and on socials. So let me quickly summarize comments from this week. Luke emailed in, which was great, to give his thoughts in particular about the potential hazards of trying to write diversely. Zane dropped a couple of great comments in regards to last week. He said, I like the idea of magical animals and that humans are not the top of the food chain, magically speaking. I think magical adaptations could also be the genesis of some magical races. I particularly like the idea of humans codifying and duplicating the magic they find in the wild, but not being innately magical themselves. I loved the throwback to another episode in regards to the comment about different magical races. And I found that concept for how humans discovered magic really intriguing, actually, and definitely something to think about. He and Alexander both brought up a question on the episode two blog in regards to gay representation. They asked if without the struggle gay people face, do you lose meaning? I personally don't think so. I think that representation for anyone, 
is as simple as being able to see oneself in a work. So to not include prejudices of our world is then not a representation of our world, but rather what we wish it could be. Alexander also popped by Instagram, which I love seeing people use whatever platform they like to talk to me. Um, after listening to episode three to say that he likes the name Pharaoh and isn't particularly phased by the pig thing, which we discussed in last episode's comment review. In fact, Zane and also Alan replied with votes for the name Pharaoh. So the jury is still well and truly out. And what do you think? You can join in on any of these conversations on the blog at Hayden Rogers, R-O-D-G-E-R-S dot net slash Kill My Darlings, or you can drop by social media. Just look for Kill My Darlings podcast on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and now Tumblr too, and send me a message any way you like. Now, back to the episode. The setting. I think it's safe to say that a medieval or similar time period is usually drawn upon in classic high fantasy writing. Of course, Mr. Tolkien explored such a thing in his Middle Earth, setting the standard for high fantasy fiction. However, I've gotten to the point where I feel like I've definitely chosen to move pretty far away from high fantasy, at least in the sense that I don't want to do nearly anything in an expected way. One of the key ways I want to do this, though, is through the setting. The fantasy genre has proven it works in just about any time or place. So what I've done is let the plot and themes speak to me and create a setting where it makes the most sense. Now, I don't want to start spilling the beans about my plot ideas just yet, um, but way back in episode one, I spoke about wanting to allegorize and parallel contemporary issues. Those issues stem mostly from the management of governments globally, capitalism, and industrialization. So what does that mean? It has led me towards a more contemporary feeling world and to explore how far along civilization might be with technology and science. As discussed last week, magic is very prevalent and very integrated into just about everything, and we spoke about it quite scientifically. I'm not sure that human-like species would have yet come to all the conclusions made in that episode, but I think they would certainly be aware of the idea that magic is an energy, or at least a malleable natural phenomenon. Also, in the short story from episode two, I had my main character attending the University of Magical Sciences. This is something that has inadvertently struck a chord with me. Magic is often assumed ancient knowledge in fantasy settings. It's studied from the oldest of texts and rituals and is mostly a completed, static thing. Maybe once in a while someone unlocks a new magical secret or something, but what if we had only really scratched the surface? Humanity of the real world has constantly built upon its knowledge and grown, nowadays to a breaking point with the world in which we live. What if society was investing heavily in magical R&D, trying to uncover new ways in which magic can be used? There's universities, or actually I'll probably think of a cooler name than that, um, dedicated to the study of magic and spells. Just like in real world universities, people are always making discoveries, publishing studies and articles in journals. 
and providing insights into the way things work. I can imagine there would be a scientific journal of magic in which new spells or discoveries of magical properties in nature would be publicized. I'd like to unceremoniously dub this magiology. In fact, I have thought a bit about the etymology of magical academic terms. A magic scientist would of course be called a magiologist. Magiatrics is a medical or healing branch of magiology, where magic is practiced alongside traditional medical knowledge. And instead of doctors or healers, there are magiatricians. Magiology could extend to subdivisions such as magiobiology and magiozoology too. One thing I'm really uncertain about though is the title that would be given to a human-like species that uses magic. So in the same way that anyone who makes food could be called a cook. Of course, classic examples of this is the wizard or the sorcerer. At the moment, I'm sitting with magician. It seems logical and sounds occupational to me, which I think is the key thing. If we're talking about magiologists and magiatricians, then magician seems like a good blanket term. However, it's obviously not original, and I wonder if it's strange to try and uniquely flavor so much, but then go and use a term like magician. Or maybe it's not. You'll have to let me know what you think. You may remember I wanted to make Pharaoh, if that is his real name, a magical scientist. This is what I meant. He would be a magiologist. Much like the timeline of human industrialization, there would be a timeline of magical knowledge. In fact, the progress of magic would have a huge effect on the timeline of industry. Oh, by the way, I've decided on Whip World as the stand-in title for my world until I can think of an actual name. Uh, Whip, W-I-P, standing for work in progress, of course. If you're part of a writing community, basically anywhere you would have heard that before. This has me thinking, how fascinating would it be to set this story during a time of magical progress for Whipworld, perhaps directly before or after a big magical discovery? The world is on the brink of change. Different countries or governments would be in competition to find new things and stay ahead of the pack. Magical espionage could take place where knowledge spies pass on the secrets or unique ways of other cultures. And of course, some of the most important research would be protected and kept hidden even from the public. It's almost like the race to the moon or arms race in the real world. Really, it is a technology race, but the technology is magic. Or is it just magic? Following this line of thought, I started considering technology and where society would be. Also, as I reminded you earlier, if I'm allegorizing or paralleling contemporary issues, I need to somewhat mirror the structures we have. This is not to say I want a modern world, and in fact, you can address a lot of contemporary issues in any historical period, but I feel drawn towards a more modern world than, say, that of medieval high fantasy. I think it could be really interesting to explore the idea of Whipworld being at its version of industrial revolution in the real world. Technology is on the rise alongside magical exploration. Like with magic, Whipworld is perhaps on the cusp of some big change. 
Inventions, powered by or adapted to a magical environment, are appearing and that same race for exploration has created an inventing boom. Of course, for those who know, you'll start to now recognise a classic subgenre of fantasy and sci-fi in what I'm talking about. Steampunk. This week's Appendices episode is all about steampunk because this sort of fantasy meets technology concept is not new but rather a well-established and well-loved style. I plan to borrow ideas, tropes and elements from this style in aesthetically building Whipworld. Make sure you listen to the Appendices episode to get the full scope of what that might look like. Of course, steampunk is another part of fantasy which is often very white and borrows from white cultures, namely Victorian England. Although in Japan, steampunk has been around for decades. It's all explained in the appendices. I love the worldwide tension and intergovernmental relationships this sets up. It instantly colours and brings Whipworld to life. I mean, personally, without even knowing what countries or authorities there are in Whipworld, I already have this sense of reality for it. I know there must be at least a few different competitive nations. And actually, speaking of nations, this brings me to the specific setting for the novel, at least where it starts. Historically, real-world technology races have often sparked conflicts. In Whipworld, I'm imagining the same result. The city in which we begin was once the capital of, let's call it, Nation One. However, let's say 30 years ago, it merged with another smaller nation, Nation Two who now hold the position of leadership in Nation One. It's widely known that there was unrest for a while in the early days, and as a result, much of the history of the time is lost. But now there is peace and prosperity. In particular, Nation Two has brought along new technologies, which, according to the newspapers, have made the lives of the citizens of Nation One easier. This merging of societies is also a narrative manifestation of the aesthetics of steampunk, the merging of old and new, lo-fi and comparatively high-tech. If you remember episode one, I spoke about borrowing elements from the noir novel style. I think this setting and moment in time for Whipworld provides a great opportunity to explore that style in a lot of ways. I mean, I've already mentioned espionage and spies and government conspiracy, which are all noir tropes. Similarly, I think there are distinct links between steampunk and noir, especially in urban sprawls. I think the two styles actually go hand in hand really well. But what do you think? The short story this week is more descriptive prose, which is really my first attempt at trying to relate what this city is like. It's very much subject to change. And as I was writing it, I was sort of inventing the place as I went. Um, But it is entitled simply The Newness. The city felt like it contradicted itself every time you turned a corner. All the buildings were old, part of the bones of the cliffs which ranged down to the bay. But coming out of their weathered wooden walls, slanted tile roofs and stone supports came new things, metal things, pipes, wires, lights and signs. Some buildings, especially on one side of town, 
looked as though they had attempted to transform themselves. Additions made in new styles jutted out of walls, creating runes, or entirely replacing parts of the old structure. Paint covered up age in a clean mask of colour. Anyone who had been watching over the last few years, or indeed the last few decades, could see the newness was spreading, slowly and silently creeping around the city. One day, a newspaper starts arriving at the front door, made by a printing machine, and the letterboxes begin appearing to house them. A new neighbour moves in, and their house turns a pleasant shade of white. Wallpaper covers the past. Old ways give way to new ways. For those who weren't watching, which, as usual, was most people, Life seemed to be only getting better since the newness arrived. Suddenly, more was possible and you could think less. Indeed, it was a time of prosperity for magic. New discoveries were made all the time. You could read about them in the newspaper. You never knew what kind of spells might be thought up, and those that could be cast around the house would be eagerly circulated. There were spells to wash your dishes and clothes, Spells to sweep the floor or chop an onion without crying. Spells to help you make decisions or curl your hair or summon a chair. Spells that anyone could do, regardless of your skill as a magician. Magic for everyday people. But in the thinkeries, magiologists and inventors were at work side by side, creating exciting machines in their laboratories. Special processes were developed where a contraption combined with the appropriate spells would increase productivity tenfold. Metals could be more easily moulded into useful, stronger shapes. Fabrics were woven faster and tighter. Images could be captured using special chemicals and intricate light spells. Water could be pumped to houses through pipes filled by workers of magic. Engines could be powered by unique elemental spells which drove locomotives and even flying machines. Lights which until now were only ever lit by magic, could be turned on by a switch on the wall, instead lit by power coursing through wires which no one really understood. It was all so exciting that people rarely asked what they might be giving up. In fact, if they did ask, they rarely asked twice. And so, all was well and moving forwards in the city. The future was an exciting destination to get to as quickly as possible. The wild, tropical plants of the region, that used to grow anywhere they wished, had already retreated from the busiest parts of the city. All that was left of them there was sticking out of cracks in otherwise smoothly paved roads. So, this week I would love your opinion on how does the magical and technological arms race strike you as an idea and what about magiology? Uh, do you like the term magician for users of magic, which is really everyone, I guess? Or should it be a more original term? How do you feel about fantasy settings with a contemporary feel? Generally, does the setting I've described spark your interest? And join in on the ongoing debate about the name Pharaoh or any of the other comments you might want to join in on. I love to see that people are starting to just drop their comments wherever. As I've said, feel free to do that. 
uh, and feel free to share just like one thought. You don't have to answer every question. Um, you can do this on the blog, which is not on Tumblr at Hayden Rogers. That's R-O-D-G-E-R-S dot net slash kill my darlings. Of course, I do still have the Tumblr as well um, and Instagram and Facebook and Twitter where I share fun things throughout the week. Um, So stop by there. Just look for Kill My Darlings podcast or check the description for links. And if email is more your style, you can always just send one in to killmydarlingspodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening and I look forward to killing some darlings with you soon.